Welcome to the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best doubles strategies to improve your game and win more matches. I'm your host, Will Bocek. This podcast, my website, and my weekly newsletter all focus on the goal of better understanding the sport of doubles and helping players like you improve faster through actionable advice that you can use in your very next match. My goal is to provide the best doubles strategy resources in the world. And to do that, I study, analyze, and work with players at every level of the game, all the way up to the ATP and WTA tours. If you enjoy this podcast, I've created double strategy products that go even deeper if you want to take your doubles knowledge to the next level. At the end of this episode, I'll explain more about them, or if you want to learn more now, go to thetennistribe.com slash products. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. In this episode, we're going to cover how to use time to win in doubles. So taking away time from the opponent and then buying time for yourself, depending on the scenario. Uh, Before I get to that, a couple of quick announcements on what's been going on for me and the Tennis Tribe. Uh, So I was at Indian Wells. Um, It was a ton of fun. Uh, I met a few listeners of the podcast who I got to watch some doubles doubles with. Uh, so shout out to all of you if you're listening. Uh, I also saw some Watch More Doubles t-shirts around the grounds, which was um, really exciting to see. Um, so we're going to continue to try to sell those and promote professional doubles and make it more popular. Um, so uh, Miami's going on right now, so please watch the doubles on a tennis channel or tennis channel plus if you can. Um, I will be in Charleston next week, Wednesday through Sunday. A few of you have already reached out, but if you're going and you have not reached out, uh, let me know and let's watch uh, some matches together. Um, and then also with the podcast, so we've done a lot of interviews recently and I know a lot of you prefer the strategy episodes like this one. Uh, where you can take something and implement it directly onto the court um, rather than getting to know a a pro player or um, hearing from a tournament director or a coach. So I'm going to try to find a better balance um, going forward. I'm going to try to do a good blend, get close to kind of 50-50 and have plenty of these strategy episodes. Uh, If you are more interested in the strategy, definitely follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are posting more videos already, and I'm going to create even more over the next coming months. Uh, And then the last thing, I'm working on a new ebook. So uh, the three current ebooks can be found on the website, uh, thetennistribe.com slash products. And uh, those are the 25 winning doubles tactics, serve strategy for doubles, and return strategy for doubles. So you can check those out. But the new one is going to be on net play strategy. So I expect it to be um, really, really popular because I know a lot of you um, aren't sure what to do with the net, aren't super confident in the net. Uh, And it is 25 pages so far, so not quite as extensive as the return strategy one that I released in February, which was, I believe, like 71 pages. Um, But I'm not done with it yet. So it's uh, TBD on the length of that one. But expect that to be launched in April. Um, You will uh, get an email and I'll mention it on the podcast as well. So let's dive into uh, today's episode. 
and this podcast series. This is going to be the first in an eight-part podcast series on different ways to win in doubles. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me mention Craig O'Shaughnessy, and I've done an episode with him. Uh, I also did a doubles webinar with him last summer, um, and he has uh, eight ways to force an error that he talks about on his website, uh, braingametennis.com. And the eight ways to force an error are direction, so hitting the ball left and right, depth, hitting the ball deep in the court or short, height, hitting the ball high over the net or low over the net, spin, so top spin and slice, pace, uh, so hitting the ball hard, hitting the ball soft, um, time is another one, consistency is another one, uh, and he has one more, I believe, that that is, um, I'm not able to remember right now, but you can check that out at bringaimtennis.com. But I'm going to do a series on those, and I've kind of tweaked them a little bit. So we're going to use direction, depth, height, spin, pace, and then for doubles, I feel like two that are really important that he doesn't talk about because um, he's mostly focused on singles, is position and movement. Uh, and then, of course, time I'm going to talk about as well. And these are all interconnected, and I want to do a, a episode on each one of these and talk about why they're important on the doubles court. And I think what will happen for you is you'll start to think a little bit more clearly about all the variables that you can kind of manipulate and play with to create a better strategy and game plan on the court. Uh, And today we're going to talk about how to use time to win in doubles. So when I'm talking about time, there's two different things you can do with time. So you can take away time from your opponent. So this is typically when you're on offense. Or you can buy time for yourself. Um, So why would we want to do either of these things? Well, if you have more time to set up for your shot, you're going to be more likely to Um, not be rushed. You're going to be more likely to hit a good shot because you'll have time to, you know, get your backswing together, get your footwork in place, um, and you'll have better technique and you'll be more likely to hit a good shot. So we want plenty of time for ourselves, but we don't want the opponents to have time. We want to rush them. So this will help us force errors. This will help us uh, get easier volleys, um, all sorts of things like that. So I'm going to talk about how to do each of those, uh, and why this is important on the doubles court. So one thing before I get into that, you you need to think about in every single matchup, um, you need to be thinking about your skill level versus the opponent's skill level. And this is um, you as a team with your partner, you individually, if you're in a cross-court matchup uh, or down the line um, rally if the opponent's at the net and you're going to hit at them at the net. Um, So we're constantly thinking about these matchups. So in terms of time, if I'm playing a lower level player, uh, I probably have better skills than them. Um, So I can serve in volley and they can return in volley and we can both kind of try to take away each other's time. Uh, But I'm going to win that battle because I'm just a more skilled player. Now, if I go up against Nadal or Serena, and I serve in volley against them, and they return in volley, they're going to beat me because we're going to get into these fast exchanges up at the net, and they're going to be better at it than me. Um, So I'm going to try to take away their time, but I'm going to miss before them. So think about the matchups as you kind of consider all of these factors, 
and figure out, uh, is this a player where I can play more offensive and take away their time because I'm more skilled than them? Or is it a situation where they're probably a little bit better than me, so I need to play maybe more defensively or think about it a different way? So consider that as I'm talking through all of this. Um, The first thing we're going to talk about is taking time away from the opponent. So this is when we're playing more offensively. So there's several ways you can take time away from an opponent. Uh, The first one is simply to move forward. So if you hit a ball from the service line, it's going to take less time to get to the opponent than if you hit it from the baseline with the same pace. Uh, A second way to take time away is to hit harder. So if I hit a slow shot versus a hard shot, and they're both from the baseline, obviously the harder shot is going to reach the opponent first, so they're going to have less time to react. Uh, I don't recommend that one as much as the moving forward one. Um, Typically, players, and I see this all the time at the club level, players who try to hit harder uh, miss more often, and um, I'd rather you move forward and hit the ball actually slower than try to hit harder uh, from the baseline. Um, Another way to take away time from the opponent is to hit at the player that's closer to you. So you've probably heard coaches tell you when the ball's above the net and you're at the net, hit at the opposing net player because they don't have time to react. Um, That is often true. I don't agree with it all the time, but um, that's for another episode. But regardless, the point of that is hitting at the player who's closer to you uh, takes away their time kind of as a team because that player has less time to react. So a couple of uh, scenarios where I like to take away time from the opponent. Uh, one is if the returner is way back. So if they're way back at the fence returning kind of like Nadal or Medvedev, um, a great thing you can do is serve and volley uh, or just have your net player uh, poach so that the return crosses the net and doesn't get all the way back to the baseline because they want to create time for themselves. So if you serve in volley, um, you're taking away that time from them and putting pressure on them. Uh, Another scenario that I just mentioned is when the ball is uh, high over the net. So if you're at the net already and the ball is over the height of the net, um, taking away time is a great strategy So what that would mean is closing the net and hitting that volley at its highest point. Um, I see this all the time at the club level where players uh, get an easy volley, but they sit there and wait on it. They let the ball drop. They allow the opponents to recover if they're out of position um, and give them more time. And then the opponents sometimes can get back into the point and then even win the point Um, versus as soon as you see that ball slow high over the net, rushing forward, taking away the opponent's time, uh, making contact at the highest point, and hopefully putting that ball away or hitting it at the other net player, uh, depending on the scenario. But the point is we're taking away their time. Another one is just on approach shots. If you're at the baseline and you see the opponent hit a high slow ball over the net, um, especially on short balls, move forward and try to take it early if you can. Um, Even if you can take it out of the air, that's even better because you're taking away time from the opponent. Uh, In a lot of those scenarios, um, especially if you're the baseline player, 
you do not want to be going for a winner on this shot. You want to be looking to set up the next shot. So if you're taking it out of the air from the service line, for example, um, just go for a high percentage cross court shot because in this scenario, you're not using pace. You're not using um, direction quite as much. You're using time to uh, put pressure on the opponent and force an error. So hit the high percentage shot uh, in that scenario. Another time that I like to take away time from the opponent is if they have a weak second serve. So I see this all the time. Um, recently, I've been coaching a high school team and a lot of them are having trouble attacking weak second serves. They're letting the ball bounce, hit its highest point, and then drop all the way to their waist or knee level uh, and really giving the opponents a lot of time and not making them pay for that weak second serve. So instead, what I want you to do is not swing harder, but step forward. And if you can take that ball on the rise or take it at its highest point and take away time from the opponents. If the net player is weak, you can take that weak second serve and hit it at them. And hopefully they miss the volley or pop it up to set up your next shot. Uh, if the server's a weaker player, you can just hit it directly back at them, hit it with good depth if they're serving and staying back, uh, and they're going to have less time to react on that serve plus one shot. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, and then the last scenario I wanted to mention is if you have the wind behind you. So if the opponents are hitting into the wind, that's a great time to uh, step forward for both of you to get to the net. If they do lob you, um, you do want to stay in that kind of staggered position that I've talked about in previous episodes. Um, listen to the Gigi Fernandez episode. That's a good one. Um, and she talks about all the positioning on the court and how to cover the lob. Um, but when the wind's behind you, uh, the opponent is not going to be able to generate a ton of pace on their shots. Most of their shots are going to land very short in the court anyways. So stepping forward and using that wind uh, will take away time from the opponent and force errors. So um, you don't want to be hitting with a lot of pace in this scenario. The wind behind you is going to generate that pace for you. So hit with more spin uh, and move forward into the court. Take the ball early and take away time from the opponent. So those are all good scenarios where you can uh, play more offensively, take away time from the opponent, attack, and force more errors. So next, I want to talk a little bit about buying time for yourself and when to defend. So there's several scenarios where I like to defend and really buy time for myself that I want to go over with you. Uh, but first, how can we do this? How do we actually buy time for ourselves on the court when we are on defense? So uh, the first way is with positioning and movement. So just simply moving backwards, moving further uh, towards the fence, moving closer to the service line or behind it if you're the net player. Uh, hitting slower can buy yourself time. So that could be a lob, a high topspin shot, a slice. Uh, hitting cross court will buy yourself time. So the ball is going to be traveling a little bit further in that scenario, uh, as well as hitting to the baseline player. So if they're playing one up, one back, um, just hitting to the baseline player, obviously you're going to have more time to react for that next shot. So several scenarios where um, you should be buying time for yourself and thinking about how to defend. So if you're off balance or out of position, so I, I see all the time, um, especially in the deuce court, a lot of players, if they get taken way out wide, 
um, outside of the Devil's Alley, they will try to go for this hero down the line winner shot, which um, if you're at a high enough level, it can be a high percentage shot for you. Uh, but I would imagine most people listening are not at that level. And um, it's certainly not a high percentage shot for me um, as a 5-0 player. So um, that is really generally not the best shot. So if you're on uh, defense, if you're out of position, if you're off balance, um, and this could be behind the baseline as well, typically you want to buy time for yourself. Usually that's going to mean uh, lobbing. So a cross-court lob or a lob through the middle, um, just going for a deep lob kind of near that center service mark um, is going to give yourself time to recover uh, when you are out of position. So that's one scenario where you definitely want to buy time for yourself. Another one is if the opponent has a big first serve. So I see a lot of people, and this is something I've been trying to stress to um, some of my high school students as well as club level players, um, I see so many people return from the same position every time, whether it's first serve, second serve, whether the wind is into them or against them. Um, Adjust your serve position based on the opponent's serve. And if they have a big first serve and you're having trouble uh, making the return, then take a few steps back and buy yourself some time. Uh, If you have a weak second serve, that's another scenario where you might need to buy yourself time. So this was happening in one of our high school matches a couple of days ago where um, one of the players on our team has a pretty weak second serve and their partner at the net was uh, just getting crushed by uh, the opponent who was stepping in hitting uh, forehands and they had a really big forehand right at our net player. So I told them, uh, when you have a second serve, y'all just play two back. The net player uh, will come back on the second serve. They'll still stay up for the first serve um, to attack any weak returns, but it's okay to play two back if you have a weak second serve um, and the net player is getting crushed. Um, And then what they can do is step forward uh, once you get into the point um, a little bit more. But if you have a weak second serve, it's a good idea for that net player to come back for you to hit your serve and kind of step back a little bit as well um, to buy yourself some time. Uh, Another scenario where you might need to buy time is if the opponents are really crashing the net. So this could be uh, against players who serve in volley. Uh, You might want to play a two-back return formation um, and really stay back, give yourself time on these ground strokes and hit solid ground strokes um, through the middle to the opponent's backhand volley, or if you get a shorter ball where you can take um, towards the doubles alley or down the line, you can do that. Uh, you can also lob, obviously, but regardless, stepping back, buying yourself time uh, because the opponents are crashing uh, the net and, and playing tight onto the net. Um, that's a scenario where you need to defend, especially if the opponents are serving because you have a little bit more leeway um, on some of those return games. And then the last scenario where you want to buy yourself some time is against the wind. So we talked about when the wind is behind you, uh, how you need to be attacking. Well, if you're hitting into the wind, then you need to uh, be playing a little bit more defensively. So you're hitting out on the ball in this scenario because the wind's going to knock everything down. But um, it's good to play if you're the baseline player, play pretty far back. Um, 
Keep in mind, if you are into the wind, though, and they lob and it hits near the baseline, it might bounce over the fence. So you might have to step forward in that scenario and uh, take that ball on the rise. Um, But in general, playing a little bit further back, buying yourself time to set up for those ground strokes um, and hitting out on the ball uh, is a really good kind of game plan into the wind. So uh, those are the scenarios that come to mind for me. Um, when I'm trying to defend and buy time for myself. If there's any that I missed, reach out to me, let me know. Um, I'll mention them on the next episode in this eight-part series. Uh, Next time we're going to cover, I think we're going to do movement next time, so look out for that in the next week or two. Um, And again, if you're going to be in Charleston, uh, reach out to me. My email is will at thetennistribe.com. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you all for sharing with your Uh, doubles friends and um, club uh, as well. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Doubles Only Podcast. If you're interested in diving deeper into any topics I discuss, I've created double strategy products that allow me to bring you more podcasts and other doubles content without relying on paid ads. I have ebooks and courses that help you make better strategic decisions during matches and become the smartest player on the court. Go to thetennistribe.com slash products to learn more. You can also join my free weekly double strategy newsletter that includes video lessons and more on our homepage. If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me directly, will at thetennistribe.com.